Thank you for listening to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit guyswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. All right, welcome to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Josh. This is a show where you get unstuck, tell a better story, and have a good answer to the question, what are you doing today? And today we are joined in studio with our guest, Caleb, who is the owner of East Contender Esports and Carry, and we're just excited to have you here and talk about stuff, man. How's it going? Oh, all is well. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, oh, we're yeah. excited to have you here. Start off by telling a little bit about yourself, about Contender Esports. All right. So myself, I grew up in Durham, and so I've been in the Triangle my entire life. You're a native. I am a native. You don't yeah. meet a lot of natives. And then, yeah, <laughs> and I currently live in Pittsburgh. Nice. But, but work in Cary, so never actually lived in Wake County, just spend most of my time there. And my background is I played soccer growing up. I played overseas in Germany for a few years and came back here and opened up an esports business. And really the way we found Cary was we did a lot of market research on it. And now Durham would actually be a very good place for one in probably a couple of years with all the companies that are moving to Durham with all the market research we did and the demographics and where people were we found that Wake County was the best ideally Cary or Raleigh yeah. and we were looking there to open up the facilities it was a long process find somewhere found Waverly Place which is phenomenal lots of yeah, foot it's a traffic. great location oh yeah how much Shake Shack burger you been eating over there Shake, I've only had one. So huh? o- only one, yeah. You must be immune to the temptation of yeah, Shake Shack. I eat pretty healthy, so. All right, but, on. Yeah, the, so the Chick-fil-A and Shake Shack make a lot of money off my staff. <laughs> there you go. Chick-fil-A especially, so probably yeah. about, they probably average about $15 a day off of us. Yeah, you That's got a great, like you said, foot traffic over there. You got that park where the kids play and everything oh, yeah. right over there. So, do you know, have you been over to where he is yet? It's over by like Tazu in the movie theater. No, I, I grew. I, uh, yeah, we lived there for six years next door to Waverly Place. Love that place, and I have not been there since Contenders been in the house. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm, now I'm excited again. So I want to talk about playing soccer in Germany. There, like, how did you end up in Germany playing? I wanted to go play overseas, and most the main thing was I had connections to some other countries, but then they were some of the lower income, lower funded. Uh, countries as far as soccer goes so it was like yeah. portugal romania belgium would have maybe been a good one didn't really research and know much about that because you know you really never hear anything about belgium and then <laughs> it's mostly <laughs> england that was that's ideal but their rules are just were just way too challenging and then in portugal wasn't really enough money there so you're really looking at options were spain italy germany and that's about it as far as like countries I really knew. Yeah. And so I was like, Spain, I wasn't skilled enough. I knew that to actually go and play their type of style. Italy, I didn't really know much about the style and wasn't really that interested in living in Italy. Germany was more ideal, but really didn't know all about how it was. Had never been there and then didn't know it was super cold and raining and, <laughs> you know, people were a little weird, but... Overall, it was like really good experience, a lot of fun. How got long were you there? Three years. Three years? Yeah. Nice. So got to learn another language, experience different culture. And where I lived in Bonn, Germany, was a very popular spot for uh, universities. So mm-hmm. you would have international students come there to study. So I got not only the like German culture, but also got to see what was a, a popular Turkish culture there, but also other different cultures and people from South America, Asia, different, lots of different countries, other countries in Europe. So when did you go over to start playing soccer? How old were you? So I was 18 at the time. When I went so over you went 18 there. to 21? Yeah. And then, so what had you thinking about, what's, was the reason to come back to start Contender Esports or were you just ready to come back? It was a little bit of both. The main thing was I was ready to come back. Well, before that, it was, I was like not really sure what I'm going to do because I was like, had no interest in going to college. I was like, don't really want to work at restaurant or retail for the next yeah. five years. You so know, what made you not really want to go to college, but just get right to work? Just didn't really look at the whole ROI on college. And there wasn't really anything that I was interested in studying. Wasn't really interested. 
I wanted to do. What did you want to do? Oh, I wanted to play soccer. So that was the main thing. And then when I really found out about the esports, like, okay, I want to get in this industry. I really like this, excited about it. And so that's what really excited me. I was like, okay, yeah, I want to hop on this opportunity, get early on in the industry, which industry's been around since like the 80s or 90s, right. but it's really just started taking off in the past like five to 10 years. So yeah, I bet there's a lot of people that listen to our show that we still haven't defined what the heck esports is. And they're like, what is, what is esports? It's effectively competitive video gaming, right? Correct. Is that a good definition yeah. of it? That, that's the perfect definition for it. So I was reading on your guys's website, talking about your time in Germany. And then what you wanted to do was basically transfer the good elements, the positive elements of team sports into like video gaming, the stuff that Josh and I were talking before we did this. Like when we were growing up, like we get in trouble for playing too many video yeah. games. Yeah, yeah. We'd be like, if you uh, you play for too long or whatever, your parents would be like, yeah, do something well, productive. Yeah, that, was, that was when I was a child too. But so now it's different. A little, some people and some it isn't. So it just depends on the parent. Yeah, I think so. But I think what's interesting is what you guys have figured out how to do is help in encourage kids to do the things that team sports do for them, which is be committed to something, be committed to your team, be disciplined and work hard in a video game situation, which is, that's what I find so mind boggling to me because when I was growing up, video games were viewed as like a lazy thing, but now there's like a whole industry around them. Talk about like the video game industry is huge. They make more money than movies and music put together. And there's just so much money to be made there, and it is a real industry. But I think for so many parents, Josh and I both have kids. I have uh, two teenagers. Josh has a son. He's eight, nine. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so for people in our bracket, video games, what we grew up with was like, these things are, they're just going to, they're just going to rot your mind. And now it's like a whole profession, just like an influencer wasn't a thing forever ago. Now it's a legitimate way that you can make money doing something that you're passionate about. Well, influence has always been a thing. It's that yeah, but not really making money. There were still influences that's back in the day. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln was an influence, which he was also president. Yeah. But no, I, like, I like your point. But it's the idea that you always could have done it. You could have always made a career out of this. But for somehow, for some reason, like when we were growing up in the 80s and the 90s, video games were like this bad thing from a parent's perspective. Oh, it was awful. Like parents... You know, hated them. Yeah. And then back then, there wasn't as much money. Like, I know a guy, he won world championships in a game called Fear, which was really popular back in the day. And he said the total prize pool was $5,000. I'm like, now it's 500000 just for one of the regular tournaments to happen, not even talk about a world championship. What was the kid that won Fortnite that won all the money? What uh, was that Booga, first? yeah. So Kyle... I don't know his last name, but his game attack is Booga. He made $3 million in 2019 at the World Cup. Yeah, and he was like 16 or something? 16, 16. Yep. That's crazy. It'd be pretty tough as a parent to be like, there's no way to make money playing video games anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Most don't think. Most of them think that their kids are lying. And then when we tell them, and then yeah. they find out that there's college scholarships and there's a lot of different career paths. Because yeah, Wake Tech just opened up a team. Or they're opening one this year, the No, they, they did already. They did so, already? Yeah, so they added that for last season. I actually know Chase Summer, the esports director, and the AD, Brian Anweiler. Esports is so new, and... It's not like how traditional sports is because in esports, most pros for most games, you become a pro before the age of 18 or at the age of 18. And except for games, mostly like the violent shooters like Call of Duty and Rainbow Six Siege, mm -hmm. League of Legends is a little bit older too. But within those games, it's if you go to college to play something, then you probably aren't going to be playing professionally. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be playing professionally, depending on what age you can play professionally, you're going to start. Yeah. So for Fortnite, it's going to be between 13 and 16. For Apex Legends, it's going to be between 15 and 18. And then League of Legends, Overwatch, those games between probably about 16 and 19. So it's going to be very challenging to actually go to college and at 22 years old. Yeah. <laughs> From the industry going to college for it. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. But so, the great thing about uh, esports is they – you can play professionally and still go to college after and get a scholarship and play then because yeah. it's not an NCAA sport. So it's like the, it's much different, which is another thing a lot of parents don't understand. Is, well, I'll just let them play pro. And then when they're like 24 years old, they can go back to college, still get a scholarship and play. People don't know that's still, a, that's a thing that's available. Yeah. That's crazy. 
Yeah, I didn't know that either. It's such a new thing. I feel like I'm learning so much about it. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm fascinated with it. I like playing video games myself. I wish I was better at video games. I'm looking at your thing here, and I saw you have workshops. I would just like to beat other kids. It's so yeah. humiliating. I play Fortnite, and I call it land and die, because that's like yeah. my game strategy. I just <laughs> land and die. All right. Uh, gotta hide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotta just hide. Go as far as way as possible. And just wait and just be like, yeah, I finished. Yeah, I'm the top 10. I didn't shoot anybody. I didn't know that. I just yeah. hid the whole game. <laughs> Fortnite's a game where that you all jump out of a plane, and then it's the last one alive wins. Have you played it? I haven't played it yet. Yeah, it's a fun so one. So it's like the Hunger Games. Huh. Yeah, it's, it's a battle royale type. That's the right term, right? Yeah, battle royale. Yeah, so it's everybody jumps into the game and then the last one standing wins. And sometimes they have different modes, like you can play as teams or you can play by yourself. Uh, but it's a fun game and the graphics are fun. And uh, and now it's like an older game. There's a lot more recent games that that one's kind of like passe a little bit. Isn't yeah, it? so that was, it was either Fortnite or PUBG was one of the first battle royales, which PUBG isn't popular on PC. It's usually the mobile PUBG mobile that's really popular. So there's Fortnite, PUBG, Apex Legends, Call of Duty Warzone as a battle royale. And I believe, and there was one, I think Ubisoft tried making one. I'm trying to remember the name, but it was terrible. No one plays it. <laughs> they, <laughs> they gave it a shot. Yeah. So we have Epic in our area, which is cool. They bought that big shopping mall, and they're the yeah. ones that are behind Fortnite. And there's a couple other big video game companies in the area. Yeah. And so not only can you make money as a professional video game player in the Triangle, you can also work at a video game company. And they have, there's a ton of different stuff. You don't have to just be the person just... Uh, coding they have sales departments and they have marketing departments and there's there's a ton of jobs available for it and i think it's really interesting for a lot of people that are probably like i was six months ago before i ever heard of esports to think that this is a valid like a good idea like maybe you should be encouraging your children if they're passionate about video games to get into video games as opposed to the way we were growing up which is like Go outside. What's wrong with you sitting around playing video games? And our video games were terrible. Like, I remember I was 8-bit Atari, man. What was your first game console? Mine was the Sega Genesis, and then I was into the other one, which was like a small rectangular box that had Sonic the Hedgehog on it. No, that was Sega Genesis. Yeah, that was Sega, yeah. The other one. What's the other one that everybody talked about that was like... GameCube? N64? No. no. It was small, and I liked it because it was weird and different, and nobody else had it. (laughs) Damn, what's the name of that? We'll come back to it. Like Dream something? No. It was... Yeah. Just a little weird one. Yeah. yeah, I remember like playing Pitfall, which was like this eight bit, like you would just run right, like right to left. You're this little character and grab onto vines and jump over what are supposed to be alligators, but they just look like a little blob of graphics. Now, when I came and played Excite Bike, then I was hooked on the Nintendo, of course, and then Super Mario. But you know, that's old. School. He's just looking at this guy. And you guys, Mario Kart's still a ton of fun. Mar- so now it's on the Switch. So Mario Kart, Super Smash Bros. There's Ultimate Melee, and people even bring in their. It was like CRTs, is that what it called for like the type of monitors when they play trauma? Oh, yeah, 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 the big old square ones. Oh, yeah, and like fighting games are still popular, like Tekken, Soul Calibur, yeah, they kind of get Fighter, a cold Dragon following. Ball Z. Huh. It's just that now it's like things like a Street Calibur, it's like Tekken 7, Street Calibur 6, or they have different versions that have come out so. The games are still around so that they keep, you know, coming out with new versions. How about racing games? Like somebody like me who would like, I would go there and pay to play, do some racing games. Do you have anything like that? So we have racing games. Obviously everything's available, like Need for Speed, Formula One, NASCAR. Are you looking for like the steering wheel type? Or I don't like know the, what's available. We don't offer, so pretty much it's the games you can play. You usually use a controller to do the racing. There's something called eye racing, which is more like virtual racing. You have the long, wide monitor, and it's pretty much a simulator. And they think they start around like six thousand, eight thousand dollars, and you know you can pay a hundred thousand yeah. dollars for one. But those are the ones they use for like NASCAR and Formula One. Those. If you haven't played a racing game in a while, you'd be blown away by the graphics at some of these, like the Formula One games. What's that? What's the name of that one? Formula One. Is that just the name is of it? Yeah, Formula One. Yeah, I'm pretty educated. About oh, yeah. Stuff. And the motocross stuff is sick, too. Like the stuff that you see. For like, speed is a lot of fun. Yeah. You just kind of, you got to run people off the yeah. road. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we're excited. See, we're, we're, we're <laughs> tapping into something here. Yeah. So, so everybody, tell me, yeah. Tell ahead. me about the youth teams. So how does that work? Let's say somebody's listening to this, they're a parent, and they're like, maybe I'm going to, this is something maybe my kid can do. Like it's an alternative to maybe sports aren't going the way they want or they're not available right now. Talk to me about the youth teams. What's it like to join a team? You've got Apex Legends, Fortnite, and Valorant are the games that you have teams around. Correct. So how does that work? Those are the only ones we had demand for. It's very unique. 
So most of the games you can't actually play in a league until you're 13 years old. But other companies they have created. How do they keep kids from not just lying about their age? They don't. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> that's what the, the rule yeah. is. But it, the, the way they do it. So there's this one company. There's actually a gaming center. There's 7,000 square feet, which is so much bigger than ours. They're up in Massachusetts, I believe Boston area, called Uptime Esports. And they created their own league called the NECL National Esports Championship League and they yeah. let anyone play in it and I spoke to the guy earlier this week and said oh yep $25 and $30 you can play in the, per person you can play in the league and they create the whole structure and format and it's like how traditional sports are it's like one week we'd play another team so it could be like a gaming center somewhere else or yeah. it could be up to so we're playing continue sports versus uptime esports it could be like that yeah, so they offer. Yeah, it reminds me of Little League. Like when I was a kid, like yeah. you'd be sponsored by like your auto center, and then you'd be playing like the ice cream store. But it's a ton of fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so then they have like you play. And the great thing about video games is that you can play virtually. And at that level and that age, there's no reason to actually play in person. Obviously, it's much more fun. But the thing is, it's like there really is no point of it at that young age. It's mostly just about having fun. Yeah, And so each week that they believe it's season lasts eight or nine weeks. So there's a league play and then there's the regionals and championship. So the, they offer both Fortnite, Valorant, and Rocket League. We haven't had any interest in Rocket League. If some people ask, we may be able to create a team, but mm -hmm. we'll probably have one Valorant team that we put in. And then depending on how many people actually do it, we could have anywhere from three Fortnite teams to up to 10 with all the people interested in Fortnite. And it starts in late September. So I believe you said September 13th is the registration cutoff. And then Apex. So usually the youngest person interested in Apex is 13 years old or is 12 years old. And you could play starting at 13. And then they will just play in open tournaments because there aren't really any leagues for Apex yeah. Legends. And the tournaments... They find tournaments that are around people like, you know, close to their skill level. Usually it's the ones that don't offer any prize pool for if you, we win. And the reason why is because if you're a lower ranked player, well, you'll play in it because, okay, I'm actually going to play against people that aren't all that great. But yeah. if it says $500 prize pool, it's like, I'm going against players way better than me. I'm going to get wiped out first round. So not playing in this. Yeah. That's probably another interesting thing that a lot of parents don't know is that if your child is playing one of these games, they are likely building rank towards something. A lot of the games have it built in, right, where it tracks every game you play, how you did in those games, and you're ranked. And so you can enter in, even in just playing it at your house on your Xbox, you can enter in certain things once you hit a certain rank. And some of those are paid prize pools. Oh, yeah. And that's the great thing about esports as well is that within a traditional sport, like I know someone told me he drove an hour, 45 minutes for practice one way to play for a certain team. And the thing in the esports, you don't even need to play for a team. It's easy if you do, but they call it solo queuing. You can go in, just play with random people and work your way up. I know someone who used to work for us in Overwatch. He became top 500. At one point, he was the 16th in the world on console, and he never really had a team that he played with. He just played solo queued his way all the way up to the top and then ended up getting picked up by a team who played semi-professionally. But... That's the great thing about esports as opposed to traditional sports. There's no way you can play baseball or get scouted by anybody, anything without playing for a team. You may have to drive to play for a certain team and you need all the right connections and those sort of things. Within esports and gaming, they just go on and look, okay, who are the top 250 people? And they start look them up. Does this person play for a team? Yep. All right, next. All right, does he? Nope. Oh, let's contact him, see if he's interested. Yeah. That's very interesting. So let's talk about like when students do come to the gaming center or anybody really comes to the contender esports there. You got 50 work or stations set up, right? That's correct. And so when you're playing in a tournament, what's the atmosphere? Like say you got 10 kids on a Fortnite team. What's it, are they all sitting around 10 different? What's it look like? What's it feel like? So it all depends on what the tournament is. A lot of most of ours that we do are box fights or zone wars, which is actually like a one v one or two v two mode. So those, it's so they're mostly, competing against each other. Correct. So it's yeah. mostly like a building is what the skill is. Now you can do a battle royale, but it's hard unless if you have like at least fifty people, because other than you're searching for someone else for fifteen twenty minutes, really. Yeah. So we usually don't do those types of tournaments 
we only time we will is if we're doing it with other gaming centers. And so five different gaming centers each have 10 to 20 people. And so then you at least have 40, 50 people or playing it within the tournament. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the atmosphere is really good. Tournaments was one thing that due to the pandemic, not a lot of people are coming out for. And one thing with Fortnite right now is Epic are extremely difficult people. They're not allowing in-person events for their games. They sort of are, though. If people want to show up and play Fortnite or Rocket League, that's on them. So it's like, you can host stuff and have tournaments, but then if you're giving away cash prizes, so pretty much if they're giving away a scholarship to the winners, that doesn't count as a cash prize. If you give away like a gift card or just do giveaways or something, that doesn't count. But then if you're having a tournament and you actually, if you just go around and tell people, we're doing a tournament, we're doing a tournament, then 20 people show up and play Fortnite, that's fine. But then the second you hand the money to the winner, that's when it's an actual tournament which then you aren't able to, you know, then they can flag you or anything for something like that. Yeah. So the Carolina Game Zone, which we'll talk about a little before we start the podcast, but at that event, it's pretty much there's no money involved in it for winning anything. So they're able to do tournaments. And as long as you don't advertise, we are doing a Rocket League tournament and like online and throw it out there and stuff mm. like that. So the regulation is you just can't give actual cash prizes without going through whatever the, what, like accreditation, or you got to follow the rules to be an official tournament. Correct. Yeah. But you can do like gift cards and stuff. Correct. Do you guys do that? Like if you have a big thing on a Saturday night, does the winner get like a gift card or something? Yeah, we can give them a gift card or any other type of prizes we can give away as well. So, and that's just really with Epic right now. Just, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why they're not allowing you. I think they just don't want anyone else like holding events, but. They want to hold their own events? Yeah. Because the thing is, especially they want people playing in their events. They want people on buying skins. And so the thing is, if we're hosting a tournament and you'll have sponsors, $1,000 prize pool, like I said before, the people that are like, I'm not going to win this competition, so I'm going to go play in this other one. More people, even the better people, because they'll play and like, all right, I have a shot at winning 25 or 50 bucks and it takes Epic like three months to send them their money. Or I can go to Contender, probably finish top three, but even if I finish third, win a hundred bucks and have the cash handed to me right then and there. So and that's the main reason why. So it's more appealing to the gamers to do the smaller tournaments. Correct. Correct. And that's mostly just Epic. And then, but most of the other companies, they don't really care here so much. And a lot of them usually like to contract out other companies. So no, Riot Games Play versus the only one that can run a league. Anyone can hold a tournament. Play versus the only ones that can hold a league mm-hmm. for League of Legends because for like amateur and a- any type of amateur league, like high school or whatever else, because play versus pay her. I've heard it's anywhere from two million to ten million dollars for a couple of years to be like the only people that could do it. Yeah. Then that's the main difference between sports and esports. I tell people, yes, esports can be done online and. No one owns sports as opposed to people do own like these different games. And so some companies contract other companies out or usually the reverse. It's usually companies paying the gaming companies to be able to run their tournament or the gaming company runs a tournament themselves. Occasionally, the gaming company will contract out another company, but it's usually not the case of what happens. So those are the two main differences. And because somebody owns a game, they get to dictate what can actually happen at yeah. that, like within their games. And, and what games block. become popular for tournaments probably just have to do with what games are popular. They're Correct. just set by who has the most players. And yeah. So it's just, yeah, whatever games are most popular. It's like, it's probably you know, a lot. It'd be similar to thinking about who owns football, right? The National Football League, and then they license it to this network. And so only certain people can show certain things because they franchise it and paid it. So it's probably very similar in esports. Like if you really want to have this tournament, well, you gotta a, go a little bit though. NFL is a league, like a football league. Mm-hmm. I can today, you know, file the papers, create something like a football league and like franchise out. I could c- copy the NFL, duplicate it to the same exact thing that they did. Obviously it would be very challenging too, but the thing <laughs> yeah. is nobody can stop me from doing that because nobody owns the sport. So right. it's, it's pretty much like creating a business. Unless if you like copywriter, like something that's patented, I mean, 
No, nobody can stop you guys from running a podcast. And you right. guys can come on and talk about whatever you want. You can copy someone else's idea, you know, exactly what, like, somebody else, they can't call guys who do stuff, but, you know. I think they, they could, actually. Well, I don't could. know if that's even regulated in uh, podcasts. Well, I mean, it depends. <laughs> Yo, maybe not. But it's, they can't, they can pretty much do whatever they want. They can buy the same equipment, do all that stuff. Right. Now, you all have spent years building it up, getting people on, producing content, marketing it. So, Theirs could fail in three, six months because they just really didn't do that stuff. And like, that's the thing we see. Didn't Dwayne Johnson just buy some type like XFL or some? Oh, I hadn't heard, but I did hear that XFL is coming back. Like, yeah. They're going to give it another run. They keep trying to do it well, and well, that's it doesn't the, work out. That, that's the thing about it. And esports is a similar way. It's like it, the reason why there's a lot of money in it is because it's these billionaires and millionaires hobby. It's not because it's actually making the gaming companies make money, like the companies that make the games. But that's video game. That's not esports. Esports is a competitive video game. So it's like the team. It's like, yeah. yes, the New York Patriots make money. Cloud9 does not make money. And so that, yeah, that's I get another- you. that That is a big difference. So like what you're saying is, unlike my comparison, like football is a, is a sport that doesn't nobody owns. But you can't really have competitive esports without a game. And a company owns the game. And so they can really lock it down. Correct. Yeah. That's interesting. This show is produced at Podcast Carry, a professional studio making podcasting simple and fun. Located in Vibe Coworking in Cary, North Carolina. Want to start a podcast to create great content for your business and establish yourself as a thought leader in your city? Go to podcastcarry.com, connect with your audience, grow your brand. All right, so I want to give your parent in the triangle. I wanted to highlight stuff because I think you might be thinking, man, this is crazy. This might be a lot of money. It's not. Like, your guys' rates are very affordable. I'm at your website right now. It's like about $5 an hour, or you can buy six hours for $24, and you got three different tiers of membership packages where you can, looks like, just choose your hours and stuff. What's like the drop off policy? How young do kids come in? Do parents stay with their kids? How does that work? Some stay, usually they leave uh, six years old. Usually I tell the parents as long as they're comfortable leaving them there and they have the waiver signed, they know it doesn't really matter to us. Yeah, because you guys are staffed and there's people yeah. around and it's supervised. And yeah. All that good oh, stuff. oh, yeah, nothing bad ever happens. So when so when you walk in there, you sit down at your gaming console, do you just choose your game? You, yep. got, you got like play open play, you got... Oh, yeah, night. so you pretty much can play whatever game it is that you want. And then, obviously, during the camps and workshops, those are instructor-led. So they give you, you know, a task you have to do to help you, coach you, instruct you throughout. Yeah. You know, you have a structure built around, like, summer camps and track out and stuff like that? Correct. Because and the main game we use is Minecraft, and they play other games within it as well. So and within the Minecraft, there's usually – so it's five-day camp. First three – you can – there's single-day, three-day, and five-day options available the first three days of Minecraft, the last two days, like Scratch, which is a, it's a game, but it's, well, they have different games on it, but it's like teachers, like programming, those things. Our goal is really just to spark the interest of it yeah. because there's a shortage in every industry right now, except for our business. We're the only place I think we get five applicants a week for it, that actually qualified it, but there's a shortage in like tech and IT, cybersecurity, yeah. all that whole industry. And it's often viewed as nerdy and people don't want to get into it, don't want to do it. We say, okay, the best way to get people interested in that is through video gaming. And we tell them like, oh yeah, people can hack in and steal your information, take all your skins or whatever. And no, I don't want that to happen. Oh, there's people in cybersecurity that do that. And we can talk to them a little bit more about cybersecurity. Like, so, oh, I want to learn more about that. Cause yeah. More so because they don't want to lose all their skins. But then by them learning more about that. And the thing is, too, these are some high-paying jobs out there starting at $60,000, $80,000 a year, right. upwards in the hundreds of thousands, especially Apple, Google, Microsoft coming here, SaaS, and these people, all Epic, all these companies expanding. This is the perfect way through video games to get them interested in STEM. And that's what you know our main goal is. And they do get recess outdoor time because being in Waverly, perfect spot. Right. And they get time just to play games. They usually play with each other. It's usually Fortnite and Super Smash Bros. or Among Us. Those are the main three that they play. Occasionally play like a Valorant or Rocket League, something like that. Yeah, as far as your team, are they responsible adult types or are they rebellious teenager types? What what kind of, if a parent's dropping their kid off there, what do you, how do you assure them that they're in good hands? 
You don't have to. We really it. don't. It's the parents really never that concerned and about it a lot. They're old enough. Yeah. They're already used to dropping them off somewhere. I guess so. I mean, some people I think the youngest we've gotten for our camps is seven or eight years old. And it's about, it was like a little bit of a bargain because obviously they just want to play games. We want actually want them to do the assignments. So the instructors had to be really creative. Okay, let's create a competition and let's give away like free snack and free drink to whoever builds the best bridge. And they try they put them together and have them work together. And they're like bargaining with them. It's like, okay, if we do this for X amount of time, then we could go out to recess earlier or mm-hmm. I'll let you guys Mario Kart tournament, something like that. Find ways to get them to want to do you know, like the exercises and the instructional that we have set out for them. That's impressive how there's a structure here with collaborative initiatives and and an activity schedule and that sort of thing. I haven't played it, but I've seen my eight-year-old. Of course, he's playing it. Yeah. So I got into it for a bit. It's a very fun game. It's uh, it's a survival game. So basically, you just start in a world, and then you like got to chop down a tree so you can make an axe, so that you can more efficiently chop down trees, so that you can build a shovel, so that you can build a house, and all this stuff. But you play it for eight hours, and you build like this whole thing. Like I get it. It's very. It's a fun world building kind of thing. I totally understand why kids would want to use it. And I have heard that it's a really great platform for teaching them about the elements of code. Oh, it's- absolutely. Yeah. Just the whole building, that's more like the architectural uh, and art side of it. And then there's something called Redstone, which you need the Minecraft Java on PC for. And that's like a little bit of engineering within that. And you the build kids- like machines. and Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so then you get yeah your, your engineering and science and a little bit of technology. And then they do have some coding aspects in Minecraft. Roblox is another game, but they have coding aspects in. And then games like Scratch that they have that you're able to teach. So that gets most of the interest in. And then our goal is in the future, so we want to be teaching, which we actually do have a PC building workshop come up. But we want to be teaching full-on skill PC building, and coding, and yeah. video you know, design and like editing videos or like to put on YouTube or anything and like that. Cause anybody that is a streamer up and coming or yeah. that doesn't, that's like this podcast, you know, that's going to be edited or, or video that gets taken. Those have to be edited. And so those are great skills and those are transferable along industries. Like doing a podcast where somebody's talking, we'll talk about esports right now, whether it's that or photography, guitar right. or anything. It's like, it's like this, you still do, still do the same skill. All you're doing is editing the podcast. Right. Then you, it's open up so many different industries. You're actually able to do that within. That opens up like a whole new thing we hadn't talked about much. You mentioned streaming. So there's a platform called Twitch and you can stream on YouTube or whatever. But, but that's another valid way to make a living in gaming. Oh, um, I have a friend that's a full-time, actually a couple friends that are full-time streamers. And so basically, if you're unfamiliar with what that is, you're playing your favorite game while narrating it. You'll have a microphone in front of you and a camera on you. And you might be playing a tournament or explaining something about the game or recapping a game that you just played or whatever. And they're a lot more entertaining than you think. Like, I remember my kids first started watching, like, this was probably five, six years ago when everybody was streaming Minecraft. And there was this guy with a weird voice, and I'm forgetting what his name was now, but he he had, like, a really quirky English high voice. And they'd watch them on YouTube, and at first you'd be like, gosh, this is so, I don't know, why are we watching somebody play a video game? Why don't you play the video game? And then they leave the room for a minute, and I'm still watching it going, and then what's going to happen? Because <laughs> it can yeah. be, it's pretty captivating, interesting stuff. And uh, I watch a couple streamers, just, uh, I think I just watch, I don't have Twitch, so I think I just rewatch what they put on YouTube. So I might rewatch a live stream when somebody... And it's usually like somebody unpacking the new features of a game or something, which is just interesting. It's one part news as well. Yeah. And, uh, but I think what you're trying to do is get kids interested in the part of the game that's not just playing the game, but maybe making the game and being part of the industry that's fueling the game, which is like a real life skill set. And I think that's where somebody like Contender Esports is a lot different than just a kid playing video games in their bedroom. They're opening their mind to the possibilities that if this is something that you're passionate about, this is something you could make money at. This is something that you could turn into a career. And I think that's really cool. I had a hard time getting my kids interested in that. I would be like, I'll show you how to make a game. We'll learn together. We'll download Swift or something and one of the free softwares and try to. But they were just interested in watching me make the game so they could play it at that point. And so I think that's the challenge, right? How do you help a kid understand that their passion can become a career? And I think that's, I think 
esports is probably one of the most effective ways to do that with kids. They can yeah. see that because it's one is tied to prizes. So right away the mind starts to think, well, there could be money made if I get good at this. And then the other thing, it has to do with a community of people. There's other people that do it. I think one of the things that's challenging as a parent is the vernacular. There's so much different stuff. Like when you were talking about it, I felt like I was getting a crash course on, on esports yeah. uh, because a lot of those things were new to me. But for a lot of kids, you talk to them, they know this stuff inside out already. And so as a parent, I feel like I'm a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to things like Twitch and streaming and all the stuff. Relevant Media Solutions believes that marketing is storytelling. They help take business owners from feeling scared that their ineffective website is losing business, embarrassed of their online presence, and worry that their customers are not finding them, to business leaders with a useful website that grows their business and sees customers return. Let them help you tell your story. Visit relevantmediasolutions.com today. And I have daughters. Do you find that a lot of a lot of the kids that come in are are boys, or is it a good mix? So it is mostly boys. Girls play games and they enjoy them. So that's what I'm really trying to figure out why many don't really come out right. out. And so that is really, you know, like because everyone I speak to, like, will they have a son or daughter? Like, oh, my daughter loves Minecraft. My son loves this. Everybody says like very like I get about the equal no amount of boys and girls that do and don't play video games so I'm just trying to figure out like how come more don't really come out it may just be a thing whereas you see it on the tv like you watch say oh only guys can actually play on teams a lot obviously we know about the whole toxicity and all that stuff that happens online but another thing too is that some people have tried forming all female teams and they said they usually don't work and aren't very successful a few of them are, but we actually found out that you need the proper mix of males and females on a team because mm. then the male teams actually, they'll be better because of how their brains work. And so the whole thing is because the girls are usually more passive. They think more and more patient and the guys are super aggressive. That's what I mean. I'm like super aggressive. You always want to push and sometimes blindly go out, mm-hmm. but you do need balance on a team. And so that actually will help. It's like even when then running companies, they said found out the companies that are the most diverse in terms of age, gender, nationality, people from other countries. They said they actually do the best because they have more experience, understand more, and they're able to cater to more people than like right. just an average 57-year-old you know, white male. So there's definitely room to grow in the esports community. The quality of the team would be much better if there was a better mix. Uh, some women are doing really well as streamers. Like, oh, they absolutely are. Yeah. So it's not like they're not there. It's well, just they're it's, a little it's bit It's actually behind. easier for girls to do better on stream than for guys to. Yeah, the guys are like, I would rather watch a girl than a guy. So <laughs> there's that aspect. And then it's, it's about the entertainment piece as well. Right. So a lot of times people, when they watch, so you're watching for two reasons. Unless if it's like an actual like competition, esports competition. But you watch someone that's a famous pro player to get better, which then usually, or somebody that's just really good but doesn't play professionally, or you're watching someone strictly for entertainment. And right. to be honest, mostly, you know, the girls are funnier. It doesn't really matter how good they are, but they also do a better job of engaging with their fans and talking, you know, yeah. to them while on stream. So I think that's another reason why. And I know most guys, like, They'll have eight people watching with them. Like, oh, sorry, guys, it's so hard for me to keep up with chat. And then some <laughs> girls will have 200 people watching. Uh-huh. They will keep up with the chat and speak to people yeah. and things like that. And that has a lot to do you know, with it as well. I feel like either two things. You have to be very good or you have to be very entertaining. How did you get into esports? You're currently, how old are you, 24, 23. 25? 23, really? Yeah. And so you've been open there for how long now? About nine, 10 months. They opened October 23rd. Nine, 10 months. Yeah. So how did you pull it off? How did you get like a really nice esports venue in a really nice neighborhood at your age with no college education? And this is a success story. I'm just curious well, how it happened. I had a very generous financial backer. Yeah. That would be my dad. And then <laughs> yeah, it was something I always, I'd wanted to get into. Obviously, I loved playing video games growing up. And then 
it was probably about August of 2018. Like, I knew that esports was a thing. I knew that, you know, competitive video game people make money off it. But it's also, okay, yeah, poker. I know people make money off of that. There's darts and cornholes. If you win the cornhole championship, I mean, you get a good chunk of change. I mean, I thought it was more so something like that. It's like, yeah, well, the best at anything can make a lot of money. A lot of money meaning a couple hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. I wasn't aware that people were making six, seven figures contracts and that these they're getting multi-million dollar sponsorship deals and people are making a living streaming video games. People saying they're like six and seven figures, but I know they're, like I said, I have friends that are full-time streamers that are making thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year just playing a game online. And so it would, I wasn't aware of how much opportunity there actually was. I was thinking from my perspective, it's like when you take something like darts or cornhole, it's okay, the best of the best, like the top, or even something like boxing. Most Boxes you know, don't make a lot of money. So there's a .01% that is like Mayweather and Pacquiao you know, and Canelo right. that make a lot of money. And then you get, even if you're a top 1% in boxing, you still could be losing money off of like having to do your training, all the trainers and your fight camp and everything like that. Yeah. Because the thing is like you pretty much... It's, it's, you're pretty much running a business. You are staffing you know, at people. You are paying for training and doing all that stuff. And then depending on the number of fights that you might have, if there is money in the fight or not, and then also like, you have to be very cautious on which fights you take because you can't just, an amateur, you can take whatever fight, which you're gonna, you don't get paid, so you're losing money anyways. But in pros, if you have a loss in your record, that really hurts in terms of reputation. Yeah. And so you have to be very cautious on which fights that you're going to take and those sort of things. So they may only do two or three fights a year while they build up their record. Or what's actually heard happens is one, I know one pro lost $1,000 on his first fight just from the fight itself was because he had to pay all the different people. Mm-hmm. And then what they do is it, they are like a legit fighter, but they get, the person knows he's going to lose. And right. so when he pretty much was like, okay, you'll get 400 bucks for taking the fight. And the guy's like, okay, whatever. So they go in and take the fight. So you're pretty much doing that for like 10, 15 fights to bump the record. And then you start getting into some more actual fights. So you have to do about four or five to actually and do well. Then you can get on the stage where you're probably breaking even. And then we have to win a few fights there. And then what we always see all, all the time is this one guy, go, I'm trying to remember what his name was, goes to fight Triple G. It's like the guy's 19-0. and 0, This huge rising star. It's like four rounds in. Triple G just demolishes the guy and it's because he pretty much did all that got himself up there to that level and like yeah he probably got a huge payday from the fight probably still get more fights after that but i thought it was more so like that and right. even still like that for a lot of people within esports and gaming it's like sports too you hear the statistics 1.2 percent of like soccer players actually go and play in college and then from there, I'm like 0.58%. This was a while like actually go and play like semi-professional professionally. So the numbers are still low. I just wasn't aware that I thought, okay, maybe 60 people actually, no, maybe not six, but a thousand people actually make a living off of gaming. I didn't know people could actually buy a Ferrari right. as the game was a full-time Yeah, I think gig. that's really interesting. Like, Unlike a lot of other things, like the only people making money seem to be the one at the top. But in esports, there seem to be a lot of ways for people to make a decent living. Yeah. And so you don't have to be like super famous, but you can still be a lot like YouTube, right? Like you don't have to be like a household name, but you can still make your living off of YouTube. And it depends, too, on what you really consider esports. Because when you think about sports, less than 1% of the jobs are actually players. You have your whole administrative people. There's a whole broadcasting that happens. There's the legal team. Yeah. So it's it's still a normal industry. And there's the coaches, the trainers, the people in charge of travel. And so there's so much that actually goes into the sports industry. Like, there's sports commissions. And their job is, like, promoting, you know, the area as an event place. And then when events are coming assisting them putting it on helping like with hotels or whatever's sure. happening the day of the event so there's uh, there's that too and, like, and most people that you meet that working for sports teams or something related to it most of them did play a sport in college and so that's more so what we're trying to get everyone to because let's be honest how many people are really going to have become pro maybe one a year or, is, or obviously i'd like to have 10 20 a year but that's probably not going to happen so the thing is like okay you're actually going to need something to do. And now college is starting to actually have esports and gaming majors. So figure something out within what you actually enjoy yeah. of how to get into that. Yeah, I think that's the big that's the big takeaway. Like you can make a living around what you're passionate about if what you happen to be passionate about is video games. Yeah. And uh, 
whether it be in streaming or whether it be esports, whether you're trying to go pro, which is very probably very similar to trying to go pro in sports, set your expectations accordingly. Yeah. Not like oh, everybody's oh, yeah. going to make it, but there's plenty of other ways that you can make money off it. Like I was just thinking while you were talking, we went to a Durham Bulls game last week and I was curious and I looked up how much a, <laughs> a Durham Bulls person makes. And not a lot. A player? A player. They make 15 grand a year. What? Yeah. They make 15 grand. And I was thinking the guy changing the scoreboard probably pulls down more. The guy running the camera. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that there's like a lot of people making a lot more money, but the Durham Bulls as an entity, baseball as an entity, and those guys are doing it for various reasons. They want to go pro. It's not the only thing they're doing. They have other stuff. The season is not whatever. But there are a lot of ways if your passion was baseball to make money. You could be the announcer. You could be the person throwing out T-shirts. You could be the person working in the marketing department, designing the banners that go up on the outside of the building. You could be selling the ads. That, And I think that's where esports might be challenging to the mindset of some people that just think video games are just a thing that kids do or that people do when they're bored and they're a time waster. When in reality... That would be like, I think it's just a false assumption. It'd be like saying baseball is a time waster. If you're passionate about it and that's how you make your money, that's yeah, how you make your money. Timeless, There's yeah. a ton of ways to make money. And I think that's the kind of the stereotype that I bet that you have to, as Contender Esports, uh, wrestle with when you're talking to parents about, like, no, you should get excited about your kid being into video games. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The main thing that we do is we talk about what are the things that parents hate about kids that say it's isolated, antisocial, toxic, sitting down all day looking at a screen. And our thing is, in this day, if you can, hats off to you. I'm not sure how you do it, but there's no way you're going to avoid looking at a screen nowadays. Yeah, I think and, that's a really funny, hypocritical thing that parents do. Like, yeah. you stop staring at that screen. I'm at work. I'm on a call. I'm yeah, going yeah, to look yeah. at my screen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Here's yeah. the thing during COVID, which, I mean, I was guilty of. And I know other people are guilty of as well that I've spoken to. They said, they were just said, did Zoom calls. 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3. All during the day, and then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I'm hungry. Oh, I gotta use the bathroom. This you were hungry four hours ago. You had to use the bathroom at 10 a.m. and <laughs> all this stuff. And so, what we teach the gamers, and this is in gaming and transfers, okay, 45 minutes, stand up, walk around, stretch, go outside, get fresh yeah. air, sunlight, or do the hand stretches, all that, and stretch around because you essentially were just sitting. People don't realize you're sitting for eight hours straight looking at a screen all yeah. day, and so you can develop those habits. At a young age. At a young age. Because I think a lot of people, I don't know the numbers, but just common sense, how many people do their job in front of a computer? It's not a small amount of Americans. Yeah. This morning I was coaching, I work at the Liverpool Boxing in Waverly, like I was coaching a boxing class, so was, which there were screens that people do look at occasionally like to see the workout. But I mean, in yes, unless you do like some type of like warehouse or retail restaurant in food service hospitality, you pretty much are within your job having those like, into emails or yeah. you know calls and for things like that it is a lot it's very challenging to actually avoid it nowadays and the best thing the parents like about always says okay here's what a lot of parents like to do you pay for them one workshop a week or two workshops a week they're 90 minutes long mm -hmm. he said you get to go to minecraft on thursdays and Fortnite on wednesdays don't ask me to play games at home so then they know their two days that they get to go and then if they misbehave or don't do their schoolwork, then like you don't get to go on Wednesday to, for, to Fortnite, and they cry and all upset. So then they behave for the next week so that they can actually come. <laughs> Works out for the parents. Oh yeah. So it's, they, it's also a good behavior tool. And if they want date night and don't want to pay a babysitter, it's like you can pay for the whole night where you pay a babysitter an hour. Oh, what a so. great idea! Yeah, because yeah. you can do six hours for twenty four dollars. That is yeah. so much cheaper than a babysitter. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like we have a party coming up in the next month. This August. 20th that $20 if you sign up for the first $25 after that but I was telling parents like that's date night for us because it's from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. they get pizza at it so that they may have to buy drinks so it's like two three bucks there but you guys are in Waverly which is a great place to have a date night oh yeah yeah, yeah. pop yeah. over to Cine Bistro and yeah. overpay for a movie and meal <laughs> yep yeah. and Rigo, Rigo. yeah and Rigo's Shake Shack great. yeah there's like endless possibilities well, I'm, I'm impressed how passionate and knowledgeable and how well you communicate this as a 23 year old you you got it going on man yeah i feel like it's been a crash course in e-gaming that i knew so little about yeah. i feel like i'm more informed yeah. that, same here yeah that was the main thing we learned that 
we had to find a way to speak to somebody who knew nothing about this world, yeah. and which which was really challenging for all of us because we were highly educated and knew pretty much everything about it. And it's like you say something that you think everyone should know. Like some people, like you say, streaming, like, what, what's that? Like they have no idea, you know, what some stuff is. So we had to learn yeah. how to speak in language that people are going to understand. And hopefully yeah. it gets easier for you. But yeah, I imagine customer education is a big part of what you guys are up yeah. to. Pretty much I say all the time <laughs> that I'm in the business of educating parents because mm. the gaming side, well, that's easy. Kids want to do it. It's like the educating the parents and make sure they know yeah i get it if you could get your kid interested in the productive side of gaming which is how it could lead into a career or an industry or how it could lead to a set of skills that they could build their life on and i think as a parent you'd be very interested in that yeah if they're going that direction anyway why not have a guidance in their life who says here's how to make it productive now yeah. i can see that as well what you're saying very similarly to sports right parents want their kids to be into sports when they're young because they want them to learn skills they want them to be part of a team they want them to uh, understand what it's like to have a coach in that kind of stuff, which is, but most of us realize our kids aren't going pro and that's not the way they're going to spend their life, but we're still really interested in getting them in sports because it's good for them. And I think that's the mindset that you guys have the hurdle that you guys have to overcome, which is that negative stereotype of video games, which is it's not productive. Mm -hmm. um, but now that there's this whole industry around it, it is. Mm. And I think that's the challenge, right? How do you help people understand that? Yeah. And this overall about the talking, explain everyone, try to do, you know, as many talks as I can, podcasts, whatever it is, can right. be on. And then, I mean, it's more so things like we encourage people to be getting physical activities because we said physical activity is important because it can't just be sitting down playing games all day. Because with anything, like even within work, it's like they like the studies show it. It's like, People that take frequent breaks, they exercise, that sleep well, drink water, and they eat. Right. Like they are more productive and perform better during the day. And now the parents like it's just because they're doing physical activity. The kids, we say, we're like, if this is going to make you five percent better of a player, then they'll do that because they want to be become a better player. And like, oh, I want to win that hundred bucks in the tournament or something. That's our way of really getting them into that and standing productive. Activity. And the thing is, too, is like when you hear your child at home playing, if they're cursing at someone, it's real toxic. But the same thing is if you like I coach soccer, we have to warm up, we have to take water breaks. So we don't allow them to curse at each other and things like that. But what if we did let them? What if we didn't warm up? What if we didn't take breaks? It, it was like on Tuesday, what was it, like 90-something degrees? Oh, yeah. Or whatever. yeah, we pretty much did two 15-minutes, started another, and I said to the coach, we need it in this year's somebody's going to get seriously hurt from this. Yeah, it's too and it was like, what if we just kept going? And right. even after that, and so someone did get hurt. Well, that's the way video games is. And so, so what if we took no breaks? What if we allowed the players used to talk back, be toxic and all that, to their teammates, to other people? Well, right. the parents wouldn't like that. So then it's, there really is no difference. They like sports because of what has really been built and like the whole character and life skills. Right. And so we're just translating that and doing that within esports. Yeah, that's a great place to end it. I think that's really cool. So check it out, Contender Esports. Where do they find you, Caleb? Where do you find me? So you can find us on our website, contendercarry.com, and all social media is contendercarry. Check it out. I think it'd be fun. If this your kids are great. into games, drop them off, man. Get, yeah. get that date night. Let them try it out. Let them see how it goes. You guys also do like uh, workshops where the parents can play with kids, right? We do, yeah. Yeah, so if you really want to just see what it's like, go do a little you and kid hangout time and go try one of the workshops. Oh, that's okay. cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for coming in, Caleb. This thanks, is a lot Caleb. Fun, Absolutely. Yeah. Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. yeah. It's been fun. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Get unstuck. Tell a better story. And have a good answer to the question. What are you doing today?